Chet Tishrei Tafshin Ayin Tet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Words, of course, from the Yom Kippur liturgy, which we say on Erev Yom Kippur, which just insanely, in my mind, is tomorrow night. For those of you listening live, welcome in, welcome one and all to this week's edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We come to you each and every week on the Nachum Siegel Network, every Monday, immediately following J.M. and the A.M., 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time. And around the world, wherever you are, and whatever time it is now, that's what time we're on. Make a note. You can listen to us live, you can listen to us on demand, whenever you feel like it, whenever you want. You just say it, and you can listen to us. 
That's what it means by on demand. You demand it, and it comes to you. It's an amazing thing. You can go to NahumSiegel.com, go to the archives there, or on the amazing Nahum Siegel Network app, which is available free for every kind of player you can imagine, basically. I mean, if you're using a player that it's not available for, then you need to get a new player. That's all I can say. <laughs> and um, you go to the archives there, you can download it and listen to it whenever you want. It's, uh, it's such a great world that we live in, technologically. Yesterday, um, the people of Israel suffered a great loss with the murder of Ari uh, Fold. We live in such a great technological world in the sense also that information is instantaneous. I did not know Ari, Ari Fold. I didn't, I didn't even know who he was. I wasn't familiar with his work, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, because now I know how much he, he, he did in his short life, in his shortened life for, uh, for the state of Israel, the people of Israel. But within a, a very short uh, number of hours from his murder, I was able to learn so much about this special, special person, and it seems that God, oh, some, somehow the best of us are taken away from us in these random stabbings. Anyone at that mall yesterday, at the Gush Juncture, as Junction, as it's called, Somit HaGush, where so many people have been killed, anyone could have been passing by and been stabbed, but somehow... I don't know how, but somehow this murderer, this 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 kid, thug, murderer, picked. I, I'm sure he didn't know know who Arifold was. Not only that, he wasn't even facing him. He stabbed him in the back, but he knew exactly where to stab him because. You can go on YouTube. This is the negative side of the information world we live in. And Arabs who abet these murderers have posted links on how to kill with a, a knife, how to how to stab the Jew in just in the right place so that you kill him. And that's what he did. And I assume you all know by now that there's at least two video angles where you can see the stabbing and... How this hero, this Gibor, literally, Ari Fold, ran. He he swung around and ran after this person with his last breaths. Ran after his own murderer and he shot. And it's not clear whether his shots hit him, hit the murderer or, or not. And then he died. His last act was protecting others, other innocents that were walking around the mall that might have been the next target of the murderer. We'll play for you some audio clips of the funeral which was broadcast live yesterday, live streaming, and I sat and watched it. It was was supposed to start at 11.30 p.m. Israel time. Ended up starting more like 12.30 p.m. a.m. Israel time. And went on for a long time. And during the hour that they were waiting, it was su- such an, a traffic jam of people coming to the funeral. And it's a small place, Kfar Etzion, which is where he's buried. I know exactly the hilltop where that cemetery is and you can stand there and on a clear day you can see to the coast that's pretty amazing small place it was so crowded that it was hard for the family to get there so it was a delay and people just stood and sang Shirei Kodesh We'll play for you some clips from the funeral. And um, 
share with you what we know about Ari Fold, and um, we encourage you, of course, as Nachum did earlier, to go to the GoFundMe page, GoFundMe.com, GoFundMe, and look for uh, Ari Fold. Help support the family. During the summer, a song was released by our friend Yoni Genut. Words were written by Shmuel Munitz and Yoni Genut composed the melody. And it was in memory, it is, I should say, in memory of those killed at that very place. There had been already, I believe, four or five people killed at that Tzomet HaGush. And the song, Ein Li Tzomet HaCheret, was written and actually was funded by a Head Start page, which we encouraged people to give to. And if you think of the words, I'm going to read to you some of the words and, and their juxtaposition to Yom Kippur. Mi l'chayim umi l'miyun. Who will live and who will be rushed to the emergency room? Mi badkira umi bayeri. Who will be stabbed and who will be shot? Mi arev lanu. Mi arev. Who is responsible for us? Who? Umi yit arev. And who will involve themselves in this so that it shouldn't happen again? Shalona abed that we shouldn't lose our hold on this place. Wow. <sighs> to the memory of uh, Ari Fold, Enlit Somet Acher. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
והכביש זוכר. המדרכה זוכרת והכביש זוכר. אבל אין לנו צומת, אין לנו צומת, אין לנו צומת אחר. sings words that are so appropriate today, about those who were murdered by Arab terrorists at Summit Hagush, and yesterday yet another one fell. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So what I learned... in the past 24 hours or so, about the Kadosh, Ari Fold, was that he was a tremendous Ohev Yisrael. He loved life. He was imbued with faith in Torah Yisrael and with a love for the land of Israel and the people of Israel. He was very involved in, In Hasbara in trying to get the world to understand the truth about Israel through various means and media, including many videos, and also including his traveling around the world to many different communities and speaking and inspiring young men and women to be involved as well. He was, his commander attest, attested at the funeral. One of his commanders gave a eulogy. He was an exceptional soldier. And from what I understand, he was physically a very big person, a fighter, a black belt in karate. He didn't understand what weakness means. You'll hear his wife in the eulogy talking about that on a certain aspect of that. He fought in the Second Lebanon War. He was injured. His life was saved by a bulletproof vest. He was actually hit by shrapnel and that would have injured him. dramatically, and um, his bulletproof vest saved him. He kept the piece of shrapnel that embedded itself into his bulletproof vest together with his little yoman, a little, little pad that he kept with him during the war in which he wrote his thoughts, and his wife spoke about that at the eulogy as well. So we'll bring you some of the, um, what I felt were some of the more heartbreaking, inspiring moments of, uh, of the funeral. As I mentioned, people were waiting for a very long time, for about an hour, for the family to arrive. And while they were waiting, they were just standing, grim-faced. There was no chatting. They were just singing, song after song, with such pure faith. It's... Really amazing.
the hall at the small Kfaritzion Cemetery was packed, packed to the extent that people were people from the back were asked to move out so that the family would have where to sit when they when they came in in the front. And there were hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know, of people standing outside honoring their fallen hero. Nahum asked me earlier on um, on our preview on Jam and the AM what if I were a family member or if I got a chance to meet Prime Minister Netanyahu what I thought the family would say how the family would act when Netanyahu came to, to visit them because there's a lot of anger even on the right over the fact that there is not a stronger hand being used against the Palestinian, I shouldn't say, Palestinian Arab murderers. Here's the brother, speaking in English, so I don't have to translate, talking about the zechut that they had to meet Netanyahu. And he talks about how Netanyahu saw the video, which I had mentioned earlier, the video where you see after he was stabbed, he runs after his murderer, and with his last breath, he's, he's staggering. And with his last breath, he shoots at the murderer in order to neutralize him and make sure that he doesn't hurt others. And Netanyahu was saying to the family how he felt that he must have had some, his lungs were punctured, must have still had some air. Here's, uh, here's the brother saying, what he felt happened. Tonight, we talk this Torah, we were also Zochet meet the Rosh Hashanah, who asked a question, how did he do what he did? And I didn't see the video, people. I don't know if I ever will. I heard about it. He saw the video, apparently. And he said, yes, he hit a mean artery. And so, in essence, Ari should not be able to breathe, to move to anything. And the Rosh Hashanah said, maybe he had enough blood flowing in his body still to run and jump and shoot with accuracy to make sure the Chabel doesn't harm other members of Bani Israel. And I sat there quietly, folks, but I have to tell you, I disagree with Rosh Hashanah. Because I suspect that he had no blood running there. I think he ran and jumped with his neshama, my brother. That's what he did. What a thought. What, what an amazing thought. His body should have been dead based on his injury. And the Prime Minister said, well, maybe there was still some blood flowing and that allowed him to, to, to do this heroic last deed. And his brother says, didn't say it to the Prime Minister, but says to us, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the blood, it was his neshama that propelled his body to continue in the heroism that was his life. I want to share with you also the eulogy of his son. And it's interesting. It's, it's short. It's a minute 45. It's interesting. He's, he's uh, I don't know his exact age, but he's clearly uh, in high school. Tall, like you can't imagine. There is a certain element of a shovav that clearly his father had Shovav in the good way someone with a very special spirit here is the son shouldn't I don't know how how this happens to us that a teenage son is eulogizing his father
חושבים שכשאנחנו חושבים על המילה הזאת, אנחנו חושבים על אדם גדול, big, strong, adult, the hero in the eyes of his children. In our case, it was a lot more to just our eyes. אבל הוא לא, הוא רק נראה זקן. נשמתו הייתה בת חמש אולי שש. Every time year, not another, anyone else would get a birthday present from someone else from him, you'd be the first one to scream and open it and check what's inside, what's inside. Big remote control car or anything else. You'd be the first one to take it outside and try it before we even got our hands on it. He would always, he would always take things extreme. It was never enough. Most importantly, he always looked at stuff and he took them to the truth. Always a fighter. Lived and went down a fighter. He would have wanted nothing more. Us, we need to keep fighting. Not just for him, but for ourselves. Friends, family, He was a fighter and he always took everything till its very end to the truth. Never gave up. And for us, says his son, we have to keep fighting, not just for him, but for everybody else. I don't know where a teenage son gets that. And strength, that inner strength. And we'll end off with two clips from his wife. Heart, heart-rendering, heart-rendering. She spoke part in Hebrew and part in English. We'll play the, and in order, it was Hebrew first. She told about how her husband, as I mentioned, was um, saved by a bulletproof vest from a piece of shrapnel hitting him and possibly killing him or badly injuring him. He saved that piece of shrapnel together with a little notebook that he kept during the war, and she said she never knew what was written in it. He would share it with others. He would share what, what he wrote. She never wanted to know what was written in it, and then she opened it up after he was killed, after he was murdered yesterday, and read it for the first time. Anna Hashem Hoshiyanad says he's, he's in Lebanon, He's in a fighting unit. A man with four children. And he's praying to God. Because he knows and he, he, he believes as if he knows that it is God who brings the victory or defeat. And he's praying to God that he shouldn't be afraid. Mentioned previously, the Rambam says that when you go to war, you have to go with full faith that God is behind you and have no fear. And I remember speaking about that during one of the Gaza wars. I believe it was. Maybe it was the Lebanon. No, one of the Gaza wars. And someone called me from Israel that was listening and said, that's impossible. Anybody who says he has no fear is lying. And even a warrior, hero, like Ari Fold, he's praying that he shouldn't be fearful. He says, but I hope I don't die. Here's the first part of uh, his wife's eulogy, talking about that. כשאריה היה בלבנון, הוא כתב, כל יום נותנים כס הקטן הזה. שומר את זה ביחד, he keeps this together with the shrapnel that missed his body and got stuck in his bulletproof vest and he shows it to anyone who's willing to listen to his story. 
I never read what he wrote until now. And I'd like to share some of it. Those were the words <coughs> that she was reading from Ari's Yoman, from his little notebook that he kept during the war. And uh, there's one more clip. We'll take a, a break for another Yamim Noraim melody, Pinela Elbon, also from the Yom Kippur liturgy. And uh, this one is done by Odelia Berlin. And then we'll bring you the last piece of um, Ari Fold's wife's eulogy yesterday. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Salam. 
Beautiful Odelia Berlin. Pnei Le'elbon from the Yom Kippur. Tfilot from the Yom Kippur liturgy. And we're going to bring you the uh, last clip that we have prepared for today. It's a little long, but we think that it is worth playing long. It's long in terms of radio and soundbite and... It's not long. It's two and a half minutes. And um, Ari Fold's wife continues to eulogize him. Again, mentioning the GoFundMe page, and we'll post a link to that on our Facebook page, but you can just go to GoFundMe.com and look for Fold, F-U-L-D, Ari Fold. He touched so many lives. I'm sure there will be people contributing, but don't say, oh, there's so many other people that are going to contribute. I don't have to. It's a good time to contribute before Yom Kippur to help a family whose heroic father and husband were murdered. Just Al Kiddush Hashem. And when they sent you your discharge paper, papers from the army at age 40, you tore them up. Because the biggest hope for you was to serve in the Israeli Jewish army. My dearest Ari, this is my last chance to say all the things that need to be said. So you better be listening. <laughs> I'm not sure how to go on without you. Four hours apart, and it seems we lived our lives side by side. No one knew it would be cut so short this morning on your way to do the shopping that I asked you to do. You were always running towards danger instead of away from it, and you never backed down from a fight because you knew you were in the right. You fought for what you believed in. You left behind the legacy for the entire world to savor. Videos and stories that we'll be telling, we will be telling for many years to come. We always watched the news together and wondered how families and wives could be so strong. But that's what we do. We get knocked down and we get right back up. Because life is a package deal. And we can't pick and choose. We must accept the good and the bad. And now it's my turn to be strong and continue onwards. I used to tell I used to tell you, just tell me everything is gonna be alright. I would give anything to hear you say that right now. I promise to take care of Tamar. I promise to take care of Naomi. I promise to take care of Nick here. I promise to take care of Natan. But you have to do your part as well and watch over us from above. Thank you for 24 crazy years together. Four beautiful, strong, amazing children you have given me. I love you, I love you, I love you. I always
Got from the Yom Kippur liturgy. I don't know if this is in the Ashkenazic liturgy as well as the uh, Shulai Davenin doesn't say uh, all the PU teams, or if this is in the Sephardic Tfilah. It's the Hakdamalik Dusha, and uh, the um, first sentence plays with the word Eretz with an aleph, which means down here on the ground, and Eretz with an ayin, which means exalted up in the heavens, like Na'aritzcha, or Ne'eratz. So Bimromei Eretz with an ayin, Kisei Shiftcha, you sit up in the heavens, all the way down to here, Shochnei Eretz, those who live on the earth, Oz, Oz, the strength of your governance, Oz with an ayin. And Kadosh Kashem Kein Beltecho Uvechein Naktishach Melech. So, as an addendum to our show of the day, remembering uh, uh, this courageous hero of Israel, this very amazing human being who was taken from us by a uh, Arab murderer terrorist. There was talk yesterday in Israel about the fact that the parents of this teenage terrorist, after the murder took place, came out in public and said that they warned the security forces about the fact that they had a feeling that their son was going out to commit a murder, a terrorist act, and that they alerted the security forces and the security forces gave uh, out pictures to, uh, to the various uh, units in the field to try and stop him. And they couldn't. And the first reaction is, wow, 
Look at that. They're so afraid that their house is going to be destroyed, which is what the supposed punishment is for terrorists, that the home of the family is destroyed. And that's the pronouncement that the government usually makes and the army usually makes. But then by the time it gets through the Israeli courts, it is so watered down that it it has hardly any meaning whatsoever. But they were so afraid that they decided to alert the authorities to stop the murder. But as the day went on, it became clearer and clearer to many, not to everyone, that the whole thing was a charade, the whole thing was a sham. That when the parents heard about this, the parents of the murderer, they wanted to prevent any punishment. So they concocted, well, they didn't really concoct, they did have ready this story that they are telling the security forces. But what they told the security forces was that he was going to Hebron when he was actually going to the Gush. So the whole idea turns out to be a rather cynical exercise of the parents... trying to save their own skin themselves from punishment while their son who is radicalized by whom? By the school system by the Palestinian Authority by the home by a Palestinian Authority that is going to pay him and his family thousands of dollars a month for killing a Jew. And they continue to do so. And unfortunately, he, the murderer, continues to live and is getting medical care in an Israeli hospital and will be put in an Israeli jail where he'll be able to watch cable television and go to do a correspondence course in a university and get a degree. While yet another Israeli family struggles to put their life back together. In Makori Shon, Natael Bendel writes something very interesting. I shouldn't say that. Natael Bendel appeared on a radio show. He writes for Makori Shon and he mentions that when the court decides whether the punishment for a murderer, for a terror attack, should be the d- demolition of the family home, this idea of a measured response is so ridiculously crazy that in the case of Yehuda Glick, for example, where people thought, I mean, he was shot at from, from you know, a, a couple of feet away, everyone thought that he was dead, And there was already a court order to demolish the house, but then suddenly he had a miraculous recovery. And so the court reversed itself. And Justice Eliakim Rubenstein said, well, then we can't demolish the home. The correspondent said that he checked, went through each and every case since two, since 2014, the past four years. All the cases of terror attacks where the army and the government declared that they're going to de- demolish the home that the terrorists came from, only 36% of those homes were actually demolished 
Something's wrong somewhere. I don't know what it is. Okay, we're going to close out with one of my favorites. Yoni Genutz Lecha Eli Teshukati. This is a... Um, This is a, a piyut that uh, our brethren in Eidot HaMizrach open their Yom Kippur with. Written by the Ibn Ezra. And uh, this version of it is by Yoni Gennett. We will post links to that and links to all the songs we play, links to the GoFundMe page and so forth. We'll post them on our Facebook page. But before we do that, before L'chaili Tishu Kati of Yoni Genut, we say thank you so much for listening. Thanks you, thank you for your Facebook likes. Thanks to the staff at Nachum Siegel Network around the world. And thank you. My very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock, with after further review, covering the latest in the world of sports, and then Jake Novak with Novak Now, with uh, his take on the news of the week, and then the great Monday Music Marathon as we approach Yom Kippur, which begins tomorrow night. I wish you all a Gemar Chatima Tova. May you be blessed with a wonderful, joy-filled year ahead. Until next time we meet, which will be in three weeks after Sukkot. This is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Eli Teshukati Bechacheshki Vehavati Lecha Libi Vechiliotai Lecha Ruchi Venishmati Lecha Yadai Oh, God, no.
Thank you. 